Hello and good evening. Thank you everyone for joining us for this conversation with three of the leading artists in the NFT space about generative art. Uh, my name is Annika. I'm the moderator. I'm a uh, curator. Um, yeah, I started by writing about uh, social media and art and ended up with uh, NFTs. And yeah, we have three artists here with us tonight. Helena, Matt, IX Shells. I guess all of you are very familiar with the names, the faces, and their work. Um, yeah, as just mentioned prior, they are three of the leading artists in this space. They have created work before NFTs. They created NFTs during the hype or created generative art before the hype. They lived through the hype and now they're still here. So I'm very honored that all three of us are with us tonight. And the first thing I would uh, like to speak with you about because um, I sit in the gallery space right now, which we open in December. It's um, on one of the main streets in Berlin. We, it's a collaboration with Verse. We named it Generative Abstraction. And it's quite interesting because a lot of people just walk by and come in. And the show is titled Generative Abstraction. And in your, I mean, uh, for this talk, it just says Generative Artists. And yeah, when people come in here, it's basically people who are not familiar really with NFTs and what generative art is. So how do you explain to people who are not part of the NFT space what you actually do? Who would like to start? I can start. Okay, Matt, go ahead. Um, yeah, it's a funny thing to explain because like I'll, I'll answer this in the context of a couple of years ago before everything sort of uh, changed a little bit with NFTs and blockchain and crypto and everything. But uh, even then it was very difficult to explain because first you kind of have to explain that you're creating art with a computer and then you have to explain you're creating art with code quite often. And then people tend to be like, well, how do you make art with code? And then you have to kind of explain how you can use code to, to draw lines or to, to make shapes or sounds or something. And it becomes this like 20 minute long discussion just to get to the, the basics of it. Um, so sometimes nowadays, I'll quite often just say artist or I'll just say digital artist or computer artist uh, because generative art is sort of a can of worms for a lot of discussions. Um, and more recently with crypto and NFT, it's also changed again. It's uh, sometimes depending on who you're chatting with, if they are familiar with NFTs and crypto and you say you're a generative artist, no matter whether you do or do not engage with NFTs, sometimes their first reaction is, oh, all you do is NFTs or is that like what you do now? Uh, and there's a, a whole world of, of generative art outside of that as well. So it's sort of, you know, it has been a, a tricky thing to, to sort of wrap up in a, a short conversational small talk sort of way. <laughs> and it's even more complicated now, I would say. But uh, when you do go into this with, with some people that are not familiar, they quite often they're, they're really sort of stunned or they're like surprised by it. A lot of people, they know what code is and they know what, uh, you know, some of these kind of uh, ideas are and they can put it together once the, somebody explains it to them and they can say, wow, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, I bet there's more can of worms as soon as you mentioned the word NFTs and everyone's like, oh, there's still a thing. I thought they are dead. <laughs> and then we'll have the next like 30 minute conversation going. Um, mm -hmm. Thank you. Uh, who, who would like to, uh, to speak next? Um, or Helena? Yeah, I can add a little bit because I'm sort of on adjacent territory because I was lumped or still lumped with AI art, which is another can of worms. But uh, I consider myself more and more generative artist this day because uh, like Matt said, I mean, at the end of the day, like people who work with, uh, with the code, who write their own code, who in case of AI, uh, make their own data sets or tweak their own models. That basically makes us kind of like generative slash computational artist. And that's the category I like to put myself in. 
think something interesting has happened with AI in in recent you know months with uh, with like Midjourney and Dolly and stuff is that it, the definition of like an AI yeah. artist or an artist that works with AI has also sort of been shifted in this public perception. And yeah, the, the, the territory of AI art was claimed by the prompt-based <laughs> AI, but that's another kind of like story. Mm. Yeah, um, in my case, I think is a tiny bit more complicated when it comes to explaining why I do art with computers. There's nobody does it in my country. I'm like one of the only ones. Um, like I can count five artists that works with computers to create art in my country. And this is like a tiny town where only 3 million people. And it's, um, I've gone to a few talks and uh, I think people can get that this is another tool. I've tried my best to simplify uh, the terms and just demonstrate that I can create with emotion, even with sticks and stones and uh, generative art or the medium, which is social designer in my case. It's it's um, it's just another way for me to find a way to express just like others do with dance and music, which is more predominant in Panama. Um, I, I like to say that uh, I like to replicate or simulate what's around me using using math and using um, just in general like uh, geometry or the errors that you can find in code uh, create something different. Um, that's just a way I've found to express what is generative art and what I do. Thank you. Um, we had the conversation more often that you said in your country, there's very few artists who actually um, yeah, work with code and in the NFT space. Uh, this question goes again to all three of us. How did you, or when did you know you would like to become an artist or that you are an artist and then how did you get to the part where you started working, working with, with code? Well, I, I started with uh, photography uh, back when I was living in Toronto. I, I was there doing different jobs, like working in as a dog walker. Um, I work in a pizza place, I mean, shisha bar, like so many places. But I really love just going for a walk and taking photos of buildings or like how the, the lights will come through like structures and even from the trees. I think I've always been in love with, with being fascinated with the, with how light goes into tiny places or places you can't imagine. So I started looking for programs to study. Um, I went through architectural technology. Um, I was really interested in urban planning, uh, partly because uh, my partner at the time was studying that. And I, I used to sneak in to her classes and being really just um, about fixing issues that can help people live in a better way. Uh, like with landscape design or, you know, all of this, like, um, subjects that this career includes. So um, that career was really expensive. So I changed to, I try to find other ways to learn about computer and design, um, designing um, plans and like buildings. And I, I look for programs in, in these online courses and I found computer science and I, I just, I couldn't stop reading about it and learning how colors can contain information. Um, everything contains information and that information can be used to 
create other things and including the tools that we use to to make art um so i was really inspired i was just really trying to be you know become someone else and being able to come back to my country with something um so I, it was a mix of photography, architecture, love, and like just practice. I, I used to read a lot. Um, even if I wasn't taking the course, because they were still really expensive. I haven't finished school, um, but I think I taught myself how to do things and how to manage. And I am. Um, I think what made me fall in love with it the most was the lack of control I had over what I was doing. Um, I used to imagine like cities within like all of these patterns that were like at first glance you think it's like nothing, it's rubbish, but if you look at it with imagination, like you can see tiny um, nations or cities and or like just something else. So I, I felt like, oh, okay, so this is like, this is my thing, like seeing things through abstraction. So that's part of like how I started. Thank you for sharing your story. Um, Matt, Helena, who would like to share the story next with us? Uh, I can do this. Uh, I've been a professional uh, software developer for, for a long time, but also moon, uh, moonlighted in art and with uh, like computational art, I started accidentally in a sense that uh, at work I was doing some stuff with uh, neural networks and then I decided to try it with my own art and uh, I was lucky enough that I had like heaps of uh, digital uh, photographs from my food styling uh, moonlighting. So I used them to kind of train the networks, uh, neural networks from scratch. And the, like Excel said, I mean, it's kind of fascinating when from something like photography, you get into something else. And actually like I pivoted to, to the artist career um, more than five years ago, because I was uh, totally fascinated by the uh, how AI and uh, neural network can elevate your artistic vo voice. In a sense, I never got it with analog art, to be honest. Yeah, for you myself. You're not oh, sorry. Oh. Continue. sorry. <laughs> I wasn't sure if this was a switch or not. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just wanted to ask one question. Did you just say you're not good with uh, analog art? No, I, it's it's not like I'm good or not good, but uh, it's just like uh, too mainstream, too average. I wanted, I mean, I like to, to do like unique, interesting stuff. And like in watercolor, you, you basically, it's like hard to do it. So, I mean, I, I hit the artistic block at some point and AI actually helped me to kind of like break through. Okay, uh, thank you. Sorry, sorry, Matt, for interrupting. I just was curious because sometimes if people come by and they don't know about NFTs and then the question is always like, uh, yeah, do they have a background in like physical art or did they start straight away with code? Because it's so hard for people who are not familiar with artists using in the digital space to imagine that you start out with code. That's also why I asked you how, how did you get started as an artist? Oh. Many people, artists say, many artists say, and that's always my first question in an interview. When did you know you are an artist or would you like to become an artist? Many artists say, I love drawing as a kid and that's when you, that's what I like to do in my life. I mean, I was good at drawing, but I was like not thinking I would want to become an artist. So I thought maybe that's different for artists and that's maybe why I'm not an artist <laughs> because I didn't think that as a kid, but I don't know. Matt? I mean, when I was a kid, I was I loved drawing, but I don't know if I had the sole vision of like, I'm going to be an artist in my life kind of thing. 
but also I think part of that was just, you know, you're not really quite often, it's not, it's not always seen as like something that you could do. Like, you know, people are like, okay, here's the list of possible jobs that you should look into. And very rarely is digital artists using code ever on there. <laughs> so I think one of the things, like for me, at least here's my sort of little thing is I think it was around 2014 or so that I started to learn about uh, these kind of ideas of generative art. I'm not even sure if I, at the time, was like really familiar with the whole sort of history of things, but I was just starting to use uh, code for something that was more artistic than what I had done before. And I really like kind of fell in love with that. I just wanted to use the skills I was learning with code and, and JavaScript and uh, graphics programming and apply those to just making art. Uh, because before that, uh, I had this kind of winding winding path where uh, in university I studied film and media thinking, you know, really something to do with, with film would be really interesting. Uh, but it kind of, you know, I came to realize it's not really an easy career. It's, uh, it's a lot of struggling. It's a lot of just brutal hours and I didn't really want to, to go through some of that. Um, and at the end of it, I felt like a lot of the, the work I was learning to do in, in film was not always kind of, I don't know, my own. Uh, and so I liked doing these little projects, even at university, I was just doing code and I was like doing little games and little graphical toys and things like that with, uh, with either Java at the time or sometimes using Flash, using ActionScript. And yeah, I guess it wasn't until that point in 2014 after having worked with code for you know, doing web development type things, web design type things, I started to realize like I could actually use code to just make art. And uh, it wasn't really a clear path at the moment, but like I was starting to think about it. And then over the just course of several years, I just continued to try and move towards that. Um, but really it wasn't until probably a few years ago that I started calling myself an artist and, and saying, you know, when people ask me what I'm doing or if I'm going to some event and they're like, you have to put your, your job title in the badge or something like that. It's like, that's when I would finally be okay. This is what I want to do in life. Uh, I just want to make art with code. And so I can start to put that on the, the, the event badge that says Matalore artist. And it's funny how a, a light switches when you, when you tell people that and when you tell yourself that, you just sort of, you fall into it a bit more naturally. Um, so that was sort of, yeah, that was a turning point. I don't know the timing, but it was a few years ago. And, and since then I've just been now like getting more and more, like getting you know more and more entrenched into that sort of idea of just making art. Uh, and thankfully because of the NFT and crypto space, it's really become, you know, something where we, a lot of artists, uh, we don't need to as much rely on some of the, you know, web development, web design type work that we were really focused on a lot in the past. Now, a lot of us can just make art and, and focus on that. So yeah, it's been an interesting journey there. And has your approach to uh, making art uh, changed um, due to NFTs? I mean, you've just mentioned it, NFTs have been life-changing for many artists because prior many of the artists like who we know today and are really big in the NFT space and have created work that's historically relevant. They have prior worked as ad agencies or have been doing web development or yeah, just had to have a job uh, that helped them pay their rent. And now there's NFTs and they're sold via, via marketplaces or platforms. And even if it's called an exhibition, uh, in most cases, you know, your work is mostly going to be seen on a website or on a smartphone. So has that changed from what you've done prior creating work and then the next step? Because with Bright Moments or Art Blocks or, uh, yeah, we now see uh, many exhibitions happening. So is that a difference if you know, okay, you create a work that's mainly going to be seen online to, okay, I'm creating work 
maybe immersive for an exhibition space? Is that an approach to you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's changed a lot of things in just the ways that I think we are all sort of thinking about work a little bit. So like even something like FX hash and I think a platform like FX hash has sort of uh, affected the way that a lot of generative artists are approaching their work. There's this sort of, you know, constant chatter about long form generative art, whereas most of us were not really chatting about that or thinking about that type of workflow where you spend months and months and months on a single script and, and that's your project. Like a lot of us would have just been doing more like sketching with code and we would have just been sort of sketching, posting on Twitter, posting on Instagram, and then doing a whole new sketch uh, and not really doing anything with our work except you, you post it and then it dis disappears. And, you know, after it, it gets a few likes, the next day it's kind of gone and you're kind of forced to do more and like bring more content to these feeds, these like Twitter or Instagram. And that's kind of your, in a way that's like what you're forced to do in this sort of, you know, pre NFT uh, type of generative artist posting on the web, posting on social media. That's how I, at least I was feeling. And I think some others might have felt similar. Uh, whereas now there's this kind of uh, different workflow that exists where we can really work towards a singular sort of uh, vision or a singular idea or concept or project. Uh, and we craft that and we build that out. And at the end of it, I mean, it's not, you know, guaranteed that it's going to do well or anything like that. But at the end of it, there is something that you can release to the world that is more than just a Twitter post that, you know, will get you 20 likes or something. It might be an FX hash post that gets you 20 Tezos, but that's, I mean, 20 Tezos is not much, but it's a hell of a lot better than just 20 likes. And it's the kind of, it's a different mindset there. It's like, instead of just uh, posting for the social media for it to be disappeared, you're posting on these uh, blockchains that are kind of permanent in a way. And a lot of the work that you know we have minted so far even many months later, it's still being, it's still very relevant. Like it's, it's an amazing to see how that's changed as well. Like I don't really see some of the, you know, pre 2021 generative art really coming up over and over again in discussions and, and things, except for maybe like the really historical things, whereas things that have been minted, there's this like kind of constant, uh, sharing of them and constant like revival of them it's there's something to do with maybe the stewardship of them people want to share what they've you know purchased and things like that whereas you know nobody's resharing my like twitter post from five years ago <laughs> so it's just it's an interesting uh new way of of putting out this digital art in the world uh in a way that you know, we were sort of doing when whenever we would make a print or something like that, we would put that that thing out into the world and we would like give it to somebody and they would hold it and cherish it and maybe share it with others. But you know, that's a physical way of distributing work. And now with NFTs, we have this more digital or like digitally native way of uh, distributing work, which is just ties a little bit more elegantly than saying, oh, the only way I can distribute my work is as a print, which doesn't really make sense if you're a completely digital artist. It feels weird to force digital artists to work with a physical medium if they don't want to kind of thing, or if they don't feel it suits the work. Thank you. One quick thing for attendees. You can ask your questions to the artists via the hashtag on Twitter, NFT Q&A, or you can ask questions via, via Discourse. Uh, discord not discourse <laughs> we're all happy to we're all happy to answer your questions um i you're back i don't know if you've heard the question i guess you had uh, wi-fi issues yeah it just dropped for a second but um i think i have an idea of like the question like but the question. could you repeat I, yeah i'm happy to repeat so the question was because matt Pryor mentioned that his life has changed or for many artists through NFTs because prior many of you worked in ad agencies or were web developers and then I was like and has creating work changed for you 
you first then started creating work um, to be uh, seen and shared and sold on uh, marketplaces and platforms. And now after the pandemic, we see more and more exhibitions happening, immersive shows. Has it also now changed your way of making art? When you approach a project, do you do it differently when you know, okay, it's going to mainly live online or it's going to be in an exhibition and maybe even going to be immersive? I definitely have changed my life um, completely. Uh, so where do I begin? I think um, <clears throat> like every day I wake up uh, around 5 a.m. and I think I start, I open, open up my programs, the ones I was using the day before, and I create something. But before we had another motivation, like Matt was saying, that before we were just sharing online and we didn't know what to do with all that work and people were reacting to it and that was it. But now we are able to create more time and space to be creative uh, by generating enough income um, to have all of the space to experiment, to create projects, to like, have the opportunity to be in galleries and now museums. And I feel that that's not only, that wasn't my dream before. I wasn't dreaming of being in a museum when I started doing dramatic art. I was like, that's impossible. I wasn't even thinking about selling it. I didn't even create it like print works or anything like that. I was just sharing online because I don't know, I just wanted to get like an open diary, a way to express another language. And that has been my my way ever since I, I started with this in 2015. Um, I also see it as a, this is like a game. An, an online game where a lot of people like came into the launch of the game and like it was like the, the first few months of hype but this existed this existed before uh, all of this hype like people were working on, on on programs and on platforms and on ways to um, archive not only art, but anything, like any data on chain. And I think like the game was on beta and then it, it switched to like an, a massive uh, audience. And this game has rewards and items and people that love to collect things and put them in their, in their house. Like if, and I think most people that are still on this are people that like games and that like the, the the way it works. Like you create a community, you walk around the server or the town and you start just like, what's what's new in it? What's the new update? Um, but there's people that are not in the game, obviously. Uh, those are that are refused to or not acknowledge, but to take the time to understand what happens in this game. And there's some others that are fan fans and, and they want to keep growing uh, the space or what I, I would call like the server where we live. We're still a really small community in a sense. Um, so I think that's what keeps me um, not only motivated, but it's more open to understanding the dynamics. Like so, so many things have changed. If you notice, like there's um, um, artists that have more opportunities than others, and uh, I'm hopeful that by institutions or like the museums that are approaching us or universities uh, creating these venues where we can talk about this as is in another class. Um, it, it will attract more people into it and it, it will become more natural 
not just an exclusive game where only a few have access to it. Um, that's that's the way. Like it had changed my family's life too. <laughs> like in real life, I I was um, I was just depending on my mom and my brother for a long time because my mind could only focus on art, and I wasn't doing anything else. I did work for a long time in tech support and, uh, you know, software, hardware issues, but I never used a computer to create art. And when I started doing it, I couldn't stop. And I, thanks to my family, I, I was able to have the time to do this. So, yeah, NFTs and the opportunities that it opened up changed everything for me. I, I always say it. I'm always trying to, like, come back and show gratitude because I, um, I didn't do it alone. I, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for other people that are really interested in this and that wants to keep, keep it going. Thank you. That's, that's great to hear that um, NFTs really help support you and your family. And uh, yeah, I think that's actually the best that could happen. And I find it really interesting that you said, well, you didn't even think about being in a museum and now institutions approach you. And I think that's uh, very beautiful. Um, Helena, how about you? Um, it's uh, in terms of how NFT kind of changed uh, my life. Uh, I think like from the artistic perspective, it's mostly because uh, I could stop being bucketed in the straight AI artist bucket. I became more kind of like digital artist and what uh, it, it started very fruitful uh, period in uh, my art making, which I call post-Deganism or post-AI art, where I kind of like uh, could mix various uh, kind of like styles and things. And people kind of responded to, the, to it uh, and nobody kind of required when I see it like uh, offered NFTs, nobody required from me um, making straight AI art. So it kind of gave me like freedom and to kind of breakthrough and to new angles in my creativity. So because from the money perspective, to be honest, I would have made more money uh, being a software consulting continuing to, to do this stuff. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, like Excel said, um, when you start uh, making art, you basically, it's very hard to switch uh, back and forth. I did it, but, but it's like for, for a long time, but it's really kind of uh, hard to do. But um, these days you basically kind of uh, think about stuff is uh, like stuff you're making, new projects pretty much all the time. And it helps when you have like uh, several streams because I'm not only like an NFT artist, I do a lot of like... Uh, uh, physical work like books and stuff and I think it's very helpful like for artists not to be sort of like straight NFTs or because uh, I mean I think at least like in my case you you you, you need to, to have few projects because maybe you fail in one but you will succeed in another one like selling the books or making the books so it keeps you busy and keeps your um creativity diversified in a sense so because yeah i think like again i mean people can call themselves uh, whatever but calling yourself an nft artist i think it's kind of limiting be an artist and like make art try different things like stick with certain stuff but uh, yeah i mean it, it really kind of helpful to think this way and as you've just mentioned, you work with AI and I think over the past, let's say six months, we have seen a lot happening when it comes to AI and artists or even non-artists using AI. Do you a, feel threatened by new technology? No, no I mean, new, new technology, kind of like I, I'm using this technology and in a sense, I think uh, like uh, being a devil's advocate or kind of like contrarian, I feel kind of like working with GANs, it's almost like working with obsolete technology and I welcome it. 
because the at the end of the uh, day, uh, you you need to do whatever kind of like uh, makes you happy, which makes interesting things. I mean, technology is just like a tool. I mean, people you can use prompt based AI, you can use GANs, you can use whatever like Deep Dream. I mean, as long as you kind of create stuff that satisfies you and satisfies your audience, that's uh, that that's what it is. And artist is basically a very kind of like loose definition. If you call yourself your the artist, you are the artist. I mean, what? I'm, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, I just wanted to, you know, at the beginning of like the wave of generative art. Uh, let's say, in, I think it was 2017 till 2020, it exploded. Uh, but I think at the beginning, people were doing a lot of purling noise circles. Like it was just, you can tell like they were just using, repurposing uh, someone else's like projects. And I think it's the same with AI. Like at the beginning, you see a lot of like really beautiful art, but if you still, if you see the same over and over again, you can start um, like realizing that like what's actually something that's out of the box, that's different, that comes from an artist's mind, you start curating that. So I don't think we should be afraid of like all of this wave of uh, new artists that use AI to, to create art. Like we just like have to find artists like Helena, like create things that are really unique and comes from a very personal place and like math and like many others. So it's just about curation. We're always gonna need curation no matter what comes new. I mean, also, I think, especially the three of you, you all have found your voice and uh, signature style might be the wrong word, but I mean, looking at your work, it's quite clear it's coming from you. And I just got questions from the audience. And one of the questions um, I always also ask myself because I find it generative art, I find really interesting, I find it fascinating, like what Leander Herzog and um, Richard Nadler have done, for example, with uh, the Richter piece, you know, that is live running. And I think, yeah, many people who started start collecting or many younger artists who work with, uh, I don't know, traditional mediums think about, well, what is a good way if you would like to start work with code or become generative artist and I asked other artists a question myself, well, would I have a chance to learn coding these days? And someone like Travis Smalley, the artist who's doing the pixel rock said it took him like five years and he basically taught himself how to code. And some artists say to me, it's totally impossible, don't even try. Um, so what's your answer if someone says, well, how could I get started even if I'm just interested in learning how to code and don't have the goal of becoming an artist? It might get easier soon with uh, all the chat GPT and AI tools like GitHub Copilot and things. I think as those things continue to develop, it will become easier and easier to use code for creating things. And at a certain point, it will maybe change where, you know, the next wave of generative artists won't be really writing code by hand so much. Uh, maybe not, maybe, I don't know. But uh, maybe they'll be, you know, pulling on these uh, AI systems to, to basically help them synthesize, maybe synthesize images, but maybe also synthesize programs or some sort of state machines or systems that then are used to drive some kind of artwork. Um, but I, I guess, yeah, to answer the question very simply, other than using AI systems and hoping they'll continue to improve, 
another way is just to do really simple things. And I think simple things are kind of underappreciated because there's this kind of constant drive to focus on just the visual aesthetic and the visual, visual complexity and, and detail and things like that. But I mean, simple things are kind of beautiful as well. Like, you know, Ellsworth Kelly type shapes or of course, you know, I'm always referencing Soluit because the work is very simple and it's actually something that is quite good for people that are kind of new to this to to learn because it's not like, okay, you need to implement like a crazy cellular autonomous type thing. It's something simpler. And I know it's like the classic, everyone talks about Soluit type thing, but uh, it is, you know, when you're using something as simple as a line or, okay, I have a rectangle to draw because I don't want to spend five years learning how to code these complex structures. Uh, you know, that's a source of inspiration. So that's just my approach to getting people interested in this and getting people to begin with this. But I also recognize that there's more than just Soloit. And, and I know that's like a maybe contentious topic because it's such an overused reference um, in this space, but uh, yeah. Yeah, and uh, then if kind of like this uh, graphical geometric, geometrical stuff doesn't fascinate you, then maybe there is no reason to learn. I mean, it's like, I think it's a certain class of people who gets attracted to generative art. And uh, like for me, for example, I came to know like processing and uh, cases work back in uh, 2010. But uh, it didn't stick. I mean, I tried, I could do stuff, but because I was a like professional software development, it didn't work for me. So that's why I kind of like uh, find, found my game in AI, which is another kind of like mathematical approach to art making or engineering. So again, find what you love. I mean, it's like there is no kind of requirement to do the generative art, right? If and you don't others. like it. Yeah. Just to follow up on that, I mean, there's others that are, you know, they, they like you're saying, they're not into the geometric uh, and maybe they're not also into the AI. And so they end up going down a different path of like doing something analog, but maybe weaving some sort of generative system into it, whether it's computational or not, or maybe they're doing something, you know, with physical computing or with installation. I think it's all sort of, it's very all tied together and, and, you might end up finding that you prefer one of these things over the other rather than just doing the sort of, you know, visual, I don't know what, how we define these things, but like the, the visual geometric abstraction type generative art, as opposed to other areas that could also be described as generative art or com computational art, algorithmic art or whatever. Yeah, for example, I, I always wanted to create a game, but and like something more complicated and it's a team. And imagine that in, in a few years we can, or less than that, we can create like games on our own without the need of having like different kind of developers or a big team or a big company to, to do so. So, those are the dreams. Um, I think with technology like this, we can we can dream more. Like instead of being negative negative about it, we can think of way how to use it for for good, not just to you know just to make quick money or copy others or be cool. But there's so much more you can do with it. Like research and like other fields will like exponentially get faster like instead of years of like studying into like let's say a molecule like it will take less than that and like there's there's so much so many uses for it aside of art of course so yeah i'm pro what is what would you say as an artist when you look at generative projects of yourself and of other artists what is what is 
a good project for you, an interesting project for you from yourself, you continue working on and then actually publish. And uh, yeah, I guess I guess that's the question. What is good generative art, art, art for you when it comes to your own art and um, to what you collect or like are inspired by? I guess that's a tricky one, right? Difficult. There's, yeah. I mean, there's so many things where you see something and you just, there's just some some attachment to it and it's very personal and you can't always explain why you like something. And then there's other things where you might realize sort of that there's a lot of work that's gone into something, but it might not speak to you. And it's, I, I think it's one of these tricky questions where it's like, I don't know if I, I or anyone else is in a position to be like, that is not art or that is good art or that is bad art or, or whatever, because I think it's just this, I don't know, it doesn't really seem to be a very effective thing. And I know that people become art critics and they, some, some art critics will just spend a lot of their time focused on that question, but it, I don't know. It's hard to say what's good or bad. Maybe attending exhibitions is, is a good way. And also kind of like looking maybe for collabs, because I think like, like when two artists come together, there is always something, I mean, almost certain something interesting comes up, like uh, Zach Lieberman and Iskra Vilichkova, or myself with Dmitry, not to kind of like myself on the shoulders so, so i think like, like collabs like especially for independent artists is like really interesting projects to look at sorry oh, I, I think i missed your question what was it again anika my question was uh what is good generative art for you how do you you know what are criteria um quality criteria uh, when you look at other artists' work and when you look at your own work, when do you know, well, this is a project you continue working on? Yeah, what is good for you? What is interesting for you? Oh, connection issues again. While we wait, I could actually expand on that and I can just duck out when she's back. But um, for me, I mean, it's changed a lot in the last five years, maybe. I'll, I'll just, I'll let, okay, she's going in and out. So I'll just uh, answer. But for me, it's changed a lot in the last five years because originally when I was learning about generative art and, and, and getting familiar with some of the sort of ways of, of making generative art, I was really looking up to sometimes like the very technical stuff. And I was like, wow, that's incredibly complex and like the way that this has been coded is incredibly complex. And I think nowadays I'm, I'm sort of more looking up to like the conceptual stuff or the things that, you know, bring in outside, maybe analog or bring in, you know, sort of story or bring in these, these things outside of just the complexity of code or, or the, the way that the sort of project was visually assembled and things like that. So. I don't know, that's just one comment. Thank you. I just, uh, have you heard the question or what was Yeah, I, I heard, um, cut up right one out. Um, well, I, I think people know that I was creating art online for a long time, like in different pages and my own page. Um, I just have a specific, um, not a specific, but I just know what I like and I get obsessed with it. Um, like Matt says, like sometimes when you are so obsessed or so into your own art, you don't really look into judging others. Like you just let it exist. Feels like there's, you know, different kind of trees out there. So it's, but when you, when it comes to curating, I think uh, the theory of colors is very important. 
like the way you combine certain palettes. Uh, there's many generative artists that have created like resources, like palettes, um, color palettes for others to use. And um, sometimes that's, um, you can see it around a lot, like the same tones and colors in many, many works. But there's artists that finds a way to create it, like use it in a different way, even if it's the same palette that someone else shared. And I think that's been the, the center of generative art for a long time too. Like we all share um, techniques and ways to do certain things. And sometimes we, we find each other doing similar uh, uh, works because it's all it all comes from algorithm and that just exists it's not something that someone invented all right um, so someone did discover and well math has this way to exist in like different forms in nature and then in what we create so I think uh Finding something that is different is the difficult part of all of this. Like just being able to trace back to everything you've seen before and understand like, okay. Oh, we lost uh, IX shells again. Um, yeah. I think we all agreed that um, 16 minutes um, is how long we would like. Oh, she's back. We hear you again and see you again, great. Oh, no, <laughs> connection issues. Um, yeah, so my last question would be because we said 16 minutes, um, that's also questions from the audience, uh, the future of generative art and AI art. I mean, right now, as all three of you also mentioned, we see a lot of sales, but it seems like a smaller community. I think it feels like we all know each other, just maybe from Twitter or Discord, or many of us has, have met at this point in time, I think. Um, yeah, and how do you see the future of the space and of generative art? I mean, we've seen Rafik Anadol at MoMA right now. Oh, there she is. Back again. Hi. Another try and then our last question. You're muted. I don't know if it's the internet or a server, um, StreamYard. But yeah, well, where was I? Um, I think it... Um, as I was saying, you all have like this certain unique taste for 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 art. For example, like thing at like really like light colors recently, warm colors. And before I was very into black and white only, but at the same time I will create the same piece in different colors, but I wouldn't show it. Because I had this um, this pattern of following like same tones when I create a grid on on my gallery, which has been my Instagram page for a long time. Um, but yeah, it's it's just a matter of taste to discern into generative art. The other say the other day I saw this meme about how perfect kind of dolls art will it was like a lava lamp and I was, I just, I don't understand like how you can like reduce someone, someone's like creativity to just being uh, part of a, a room or like entertainment. And there's so much more to it and so much work that goes behind. But it's just to me, it's, it's the same with, with generative art. Like you can find a lot of meaning in, in patterns that other people don't see or don't know how to use them to to say something um, like i use the the wave of the ocean even photography video or or uh kinetic lines to express a lot so yeah just like i think the way to 
curate generative art is to for the curator to actually fall in love with what they're looking at and not just use it as a okay another object or another art to fill up a gallery or whatever tasks they need to do for me like when you do everything with love it can create a lot of magic and when you don't do it then you realize oh I was like on automatic I was just acting like a robot which surprisingly is something I, I try not to do like I try to deprogram myself all the time one way or the other Oh, we lost her again, but I think her sentence was finished. <laughs> Would you like to add something? Oh, no, I was just saying, so she just like, end, end of sentence, and then she cuts out. Yeah, I mean, I hope she comes back for answering the last question, because she also just mentioned Rafik Anadol, and yeah, I mean, I think it's, yeah, excellent for the NFP space and for every one of us to see Rafik Anadol and Roma. And yeah, one of the um, attendees asked the question, where do we see the future of generative art? Um, and I've just said prior, all of you also mentioned it's sort of like, um, it feels like a small space because we somehow all know each other. We have met in person or we know each other through, through Twitter or Discord. So what's your prediction for the future? Now, Rafik Anadolet MoMA, it's, I know that Itzla is speaking with a lot of in institutions. A lot of institutions have approached her. An institution in Linz just uh, collected the um, two NFTs from uh, Leander Herzog and Richard Nadler. Uh, Gerhard and Richter is now in a museum collection, so we see more and more NFTs going in collection. Um, yeah, what's your prediction for the future? Or what needs to happen that we see the future you hope uh, for this space? I could, uh, I could start, I guess. Um, I think there's sort of two questions and two answers here. One of them is like, what's the future of NFTs? And one of them is like, what's the future of generative art? And I think they'll be both like intertwined and linked in different ways, but they'll also have different futures. So the future I think of generative art is just sort of the continuation of it, except ex expanding since like, you know, whatever the sixties or whenever we can say that it started and just continuing to grow and expand in the public consciousness and hopefully grow and expand in sort of the, you know, collections of the world in a way so that now we're starting to see those artists uh, be sort of acquired and be highlighted and be displayed. Uh, and, you know, but it's now beginning to happen over the course of the last, you know, couple decades or, or something like that. And it will probably just continue to grow and there will be more and more interest in, and maybe in 20 years, uh, it will be very common that a museum is going to be filled with digital, digital art, which, you know, even now, it's still not exactly common. You go to most uh, of the, the world-class museums or galleries and they're still not uh, primarily digital art, even though, you know, I think in, in, as time goes on, we're living these sort of very digital lives and we do have a lot of digital outputs and sometimes the, the ratio of, of things don't really, in, in current galleries, don't really reflect the reality. Um, so that's one thing is just that it's going to continue to expand and grow and there'll be different takes on and different ways of, of exploring that. But then also I think with NFTs specifically, I think it will continue to like shift very, very drastically. I think the NFTs that we're seeing right now are like one type. So like the Refic Anadol in MoMA, uh, I think we will probably also continue to see museums and galleries. I mean, not that they haven't already, but they will continue to, to have this focus on using the blockchain and using these systems in, as like artistic mediums um, so, I mean, the work of Rhea Myers or Death Beef, uh, I think those kind of artists will, you know, be highlighted more and there will be more and more interest in building systems that are using these kind of tools and using these kind of 
uh, technologies. Um, whereas sometimes the there's a lot there has been a lot of like mainstream focus, and I would count MoMA sort of as this mainstream sort of focus as well uh, as like the NFT as an image or the NFT as like a as a GIF or NFT as an animation or something, but. Uh, I don't think that's really the realistic future of, the, of NFTs. I think they will be expanded to much more. And I think it'll be pretty common that a lot of artists that work with digital and even a lot of artists that work with physical will be distributing their work through these mechanisms, even if they don't you know, explicitly call them NFTs. They'll just say, I'm releasing some work and it's an auction. Like right now, I, I couldn't imagine setting up my own auction with fiat I think it would be a disastrous nightmare. Whereas setting up an auction with crypto is actually kind of makes sense. Like you can have a Dutch auction with crypto and thousands or millions of people can participate in it. And you don't need to go to a single uh, place like Christie's. You can you know, build these systems without going to Christie's or without going to Sotheby's. Uh, and you can direct how much percentage you want from the auction. You don't need to uh, subscribe to a 50% cut or something like that. So I, I think it will just continue to grow and expand basically. Helena, uh, Itzla just asked for your future prediction, predictions for the future. As well. I like in sync with Matt, what, with what Matt said. And honestly, I, I don't care much about being in museum or not being in museum. I mean, I enjoy like the NFT gave artists the freedom to sell their stuff, to be shown without kind of like institutions. I haven't been to Sotheby's or anything, but, but kind of like, I don't feel miserable because of this. I mean, uh, I kind of like cre create my own story. Uh, so so that, that that's nft again it's like about freedom and that's what i kind of like like about it and i hope it's can it continues like this i mean we have enough kind of like tooling and uh, infrastructure uh, to, to to make it happen with independent uh, collectors with independent artists and that's the beauty of it i don't want to be institutionalized honestly You know, my, from my perspective, like, I think it's an, an, an honor to be recognized by, by um, entities that have been around for, for a long, long time and have managed to stay uh, relevant. Um, Um, we lost Alex uh, Schultz again. Uh, oh, I'm she's back. Really, it's really quite trying. interesting. I, You're back. <laughs> Beautiful. So, but, but, but before I'm misunderstood, what I'm trying to say is that NFT is definitely, or like blockchain art, is uh, it's a revolution and it's a way for us to create our own museums. Like we. Uh, I watched a movie not too long ago about how it was called like para su tranquilidad haga su propio museo, which means for your tranquility do your own museum. And for some people, being in a museum is not about just the recognition, but it's about preserving. Like I will literally just disappear if my art disappears. I, I don't think I, I could stand that. And if we keep it in, in like in an unstable uh, place like it's a um, web browser um, or Instagram like it certainly carries that risk and I think one of my biggest goals is to like preserve myself through time regardless if I'm here or not so that's one one of the reasons why I enjoy or why I respect the fact that like museums are like, paying attention to this. Uh okay, we lost her again. Um, 
Let's wait a few seconds and then, no, she's back. She's always coming back. That's the good thing we know by now. It's very reliable. Like shells coming back. Um, or maybe not this time around. I mean, the good thing is you all know where to find us on Twitter and on Discord. So if you have further questions, please just send them to us via Twitter. We're happy to answer. Um, thank you, Matt, Helena, and Ike Schultz for being with me here and discussing generative art. And thank you for the audience and for your great questions. Um, yeah, please get in touch via Twitter. Um, thank, thank you. you. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye.